0: Everyone, welcome to Manufacturing Hub with me, Dave, and this guy up here, Vlad. We've got a very special, I guess, repeat guest, uh, David Nichols uh, of Loop. Um, They do some really awesome things with. I mean, they do some really awesome things. Hard stop. But they also do some really awesome things with robots, which is what I'm excited to uh, to talk about. Um, So, typically, the very beginning is a background of the person. David covered that. Very well. In the beginning of episode 29, uh, which we will drop links below. So, David, do you want to give us maybe a brief history of what you or what you and Loop have been doing with robots over the last 10 or 15 years?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, and uh, I'll give the I'll give the let's see three sentence explanation of what Loop does, just in case you know. Just in case people aren't in the deep deep back catalog yet, um, definitely go <laughs> check that out because that was a really fun conversation about. Uh, CI/CD systems and, mm-hmm. and things like that um, so yeah we, we dabble in a lot of stuff um, the reason we dabble in a, lot, in a lot of stuff is because it's our mission is, is really revolution at loop that's applies to technology and automation making incredible new kinds of machines and, and so a lot of our work is involved software and motion control and robot dogs and you know anywhere where there's these new kinds of technologies lying around and people are putting them to work in new contexts um and you know to get real nuts and bolts about it we have a um a distribution team that's called widget so we sell hardware we sell control hardware we sell vnr vnr industrial automation plcs Mm so and controls and motion systems and and that was really where we got our start a long time ago, it was like, I was really interested in that technology. I was an application engineer. I was putting my laptop onto garbage can lids to make machines work as we all do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just so excited about applying that technology. And so the, really the theme of loop is, is taking those new technologies and innovating and, and doing interesting new things. You know, it's, it's a different kind of work than, than building another car factory, let's say, which again, I also have a ton of respect for, um, and is super hard and, et cetera. But like when there's new things to be done or people have new ideas, that's what we're excited to work about, or work, work, on at loop. And so, yeah, ro- robots and robotics have shown up, you know, maybe, maybe midway. I mean, we, it's, it's interesting. Cause I, we came really more from a motion control type of type of approach. And when I came out of school and when I started working and when we started this company, it was seen almost as a distinct group. It was distinct, like the, the worlds didn't really overlap. So these are motion control people. Yes. These are vision people. These are robotics people. They don't, mm-hmm. the channels are different. The suppliers are different. They, they hardly overlap. It was, that was, that was my experience of it. And so coming at it from a motion control point of view and being a high tech automation distributor, we would sell motion controllers. We'd sell servo drives. We would, be working on control systems of machines, often with OEMs and things like that, um, and so we were more in the nuts and bolts of making really sophisticated motion control systems work. Uh, BNR is really good at system, you know. I guess if you haven't heard of BNR, if you've seen any Crohn's bottler or any giant bottling machine that's running twenty thousand units an hour, sixty thousand units an hour, whatever, often there's a ton of BNR motion control in those machines to make them run, um, and so. BNR really has that, that that's why, that's why that's what they were about. Often like those types of really challenging applications, super high speed. They, they've done a lot of innovative stuff over their history in motion control. And so that's why I got into it. That's the kind of thing that we worked on and sometimes be like, oh, we're working on a water jet cutting machine, you know, by the way, a water jet cutting machine kind of looks, it looks like a six axis robot. Almost it's more like a gantry or it's more like a CNC. So, mm-hmm. but from a control system point of view, it's a bunch of servo motors doing something really highly coordinated. It's controlled in real time. Oh, a robot is just is just some extra math on top of that. And so we can, that was our entryway into robotics was we're used to doing these sophisticated motion control systems. And if I look at that, actually, if I look at that six axis, it's, it's just six servo motors and some metal between them some gearboxes. And so we weren't coming at it from like you would if you were given, you know, somebody put a pendant in your hand and said, you know, program this robot to weld sheet metal together, which they're really good at. Mm-hmm. Um, we were thinking of it more at a lower level. Um, and BNR started coming out with these, uh, new application packages and new ways of controlling six axis robots, just as if it were another six motors, in your 30 axis machine, everything was integrated. Um, everything was really integrated together in one controller. That's still something that's very special and interesting about what they do. And that was our entryway into it. And so, uh, instead of being a package where it's like a cobot or it's, you know, now we work with ABB and robot, you know, you think about like robot studio, you're programming your mm-hmm. robots, do things. It'd be more like building a robot from parts, but with a real mm-hmm. actuator. And so the applications where that was really valuable because we needed to do sophisticated software things. We needed to integrate 30 other axes at millisecond level precision to do carbon fiber layup, or you know, we needed to augment, we needed to enhance the controls of them to take this basically cheap, cheap. I'm using finger quotes if you're not seeing the video, yeah. cheap robot, and <laughs> augment it with all this extra stuff. Those applications were where BNR controls and the flexibility and what what BNR can do with software was really valuable. So that. That was how we got into it. And then in the meantime, just started learning more about robots in general and, you know, hooking up with ADB and, and kind of getting exposed to the world of robotics in that way. We, we kind of drifted into that, drifted into robotics through those applications and from a machine design point of view, uh, if that makes sense.
2: David, so just to clarify, if I may, so on the BNR side, they provide... We guess the servo drives and perhaps like the gearboxes, and then you can create a CNC machine that's, you know, based on their platform or where do they fit into the like robotics yes. space?
1: Yes. The, you do do that. You can do that. That was how we got started was they started building all these CNC control systems? you know, for controlling five-axis, for controlling custom kinematics systems. You could build, you know, they're basically providing like open CNC controller for you to go in and hack mm-hmm. around with. And they have a lot of components that do that. That was how we started to get exposed to, systems that had kinematics right kinematic whether they're serial or parallel uh, we started getting involved in those applications because of from a controls point of view because bnr started bringing that stuff into their into their platform and yeah we we worked with the company flow international that makes water jet cutters and we did their controls we work we work really closely with them for for many years um, to do uh, motion control of, of water jet cutting which is really sophisticated and interesting process um, so yeah we start we, we did a lot of work in cnc and then it's it's just a slight turn to the left over here and own let's control a six axis and so um, just going back into history we started working with a company Comau that makes Comau is a giant automotive integrator mm-hmm. that's owned by i think i think they're owned by Fiat or maybe they got spun out i'm not i don't i haven't kept track but they they have their own robotics company within their within their integrator called uh, Comau Robotics and mm-hmm. people have heard some people have heard of them Comau actually used BNR as a supplier for their motion controls so if you open the out, you open a comb out cabinet, like you would open an ABB cabinet or a FANIC cabinet, it's full of BNR drives. And so we were doing things like, hey, great robot you've got there. Thank you so much for sending us that robot. Like we'll unplug your computer. We'll plug in our computer. Now we have complete control of everything just by plugging in in real time, right? That was what we were super excited about. So that was how we started basically hijacking our hot rodding robot control systems to do to do our bidding. From and again, it's not easy. We learned a ton of stuff about how to do that, but that was, you know, that was maybe five years ago, five five or eight years ago that we started getting into that pretty heavily because uh, certain markets and certain industries like aerospace have been really pioneering in that, taking robotics and applying them in new ways. um We haven't. I haven't ever worked with them, but like if you look at companies like Electro Impact uh, and you look at the videos that they put out for doing carbon fiber layup or accurate hole drilling, just incredible equipment. Um, They would do stuff. They would do things like buy a KUKA, throw Mm -hmm. away the control cabinet, put a Siemens CNC in front of it and trick it out and, you know, turn around and charge $3 million for it and do Mm -hmm. a ton of them. Right. And they were super successful doing that. And so that was really inspiring of taking those things that are basically sitting around or like the automotive industry has made it, made this has like gotten those actuators up to scale. So they're inexpensive for what they do. Mm -hmm. Let's augment them. Let's take these things that are lying around. Like if you looked at the parts list of a robot, you couldn't buy half those gearboxes for what a robot costs. It's incredible how inexpensive it is just, you know, they're full of expensive parts somehow, you know, the only, the whole robot only costs, you know, five figures. It's great. It's, it's wild. So that's why we got really interested is we can take these and put new things around them and do use them in new applications or, you know it's it's still unusual with bnr that you could take you know often you'd be like you can't really crack the robot controllers because the robot suppliers consider them proprietary mm-hmm. they don't let you really get in and hack around in real time they have sometimes it's a lot of them have good interfaces but um so what i guess i'm just sort of saying this this was our sort of high end or that was our approach into robotics and now what we were doing with Comau is being done with adb Mm-hmm. Uh, ABB and BNR are talking about their machine-centric robotics uh, concepts where they're doing the same thing now with ABB robots, which is really exciting because ABB robots are great. ABB is a great supplier. We work with them really closely. And all of that kind of cool pioneering tech we were doing with, with this little Italian company is now like coming into the big leagues, I think, with uh, with stuff with ABB. So that's if it, does, that, does that clarify your question, Vlad, or about yeah, yeah. I, I think even it, how I got uh, into that? Yeah, it, it does <laughs>
2: paint a – I understand now, like how BNR fits in. Uh, and if I, if I may follow up in, in general, so Loop, in addition to the more, I would say, traditional quote-unquote robotics, you guys also venture out into Boston Dynamics, right? And I've, I'm sure right. that most right. people listening or watching this have seen the clips, but could you maybe talk to us how that relationship came to be and what exactly is it that you guys provide as like an integration service or you yeah. you know, like whatever that may, may look like?
1: Yeah, uh, so we were, we were working with some people in our in our like day job I'll say again finger quotes our day job as, as integrators and and hardware suppliers with a company that was is doing some really interesting things in uh, construction automation I don't think I should mention their name because I didn't ask them to do that but basically we knew some people uh, and they had previously like one of them had had some friend had a friend that went to work at, at Boston Dynamics and we were really hitting off with this construction company we had a great relationship we didn't end up working together but um, these two people were talking and uh, this guy, Brian Ringley at at Boston Dynamics was saying like, hey, we're looking for savvy integrators, looking for good integrators that might be able to work with this weird stuff. And and (laughs) they were like, you should talk to Loop. They do weird stuff. Uh, Or they, you know, we had had a good, we were were having good conversations about like, yeah, let's, let's really break this, you know, let's really innovate here. And, and because of that relationship, we, we were introduced and Boston Dynamics showed up and said, hey, can you help us? or we're, we're looking, you know, we're looking for people that can help our, our customers, you know, cause again, some fortune 50 company is going to come to them and be like, we're interested in this. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have all the application teams. And, you know, in the same way that we would work with the BNR or an ABB as an integrator or as a value added uh, partner, we would kind of help them do those experiments or we would help them do integration. We would help them do yes. The robot dog is super sophisticated and it has all this amazing technology in it, but also it needs to have a backpack and it needs to solve a problem. Like pl- like applications engineering uh, for for Spot or for Boston Dynamics, mm-hmm. Boston Dynamics does a lot of that. Or they they also have partners, or they have you know third party things that are sort of packaged. Like they have a lot in construction and surveying. For example, you can just buy it off the shelf and just drag around a construction site. Like they have they have that stuff. But for other stuff where you know such and such power company wants something to go, they want to do a pilot and run it around, and you know they needed value. They needed like engineering organizations or or kind of application teams to help. And so, yeah, I think three weeks later, we we took delivery of a robot dog, and we're like, hell yeah! Like that's all I need. All I need to know. Um, we'll figure out what to do with it. We'll figure out how to make money with it. <laughs> like,
2: well, yes. let's you know, like that was going to be my follow up on that. Like I'm really curious to hear some maybe again like use cases that you're thinking about or that some of your customers maybe again whatever you can share within the confidentiality agreements. But I'm curious right. what you see these dogs uh, being used for on the manufacturing floors.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think um, with Boston Dynamics, I, I, think, uh, I, I think the reason that, that it fits for us is that we're taking technologies and applying them in new ways or taking brand new stuff that's like actually people aren't sure what it's good for, or it seems like it's good for something, but like we're really, you know, it's new and it's kind of innovative and it's like very experimental. Like that's, we're, we're very comfortable in that space. And so BD is really on the edge of that because I would say there's notions about how it works there's notions of what it could be good for. But as you, if you think about it as a designer, you're competing with an intern walking around with a clipboard, right? You're competing with just plug all the sensors in on an ethernet cable. You don't need a robot dog to walk around if everything is, is instrumented, right? Like if everything has an IOT and is feeding stuff up to the cloud, you don't need a dog to walk up to it and look at it. Right. So it's like, what is it good at? What, where are the places where, the value of its mobility it and it's a and and kind of the fact that it can roam around is really is really valuable and and solves a problem that that otherwise would be like super expensive really complicated so examples that are extreme in that way are places like nuclear power plants where for somebody to suit up or for anything to go into that space is going to be a huge problem or a huge ordeal uh, yeah, send in the thing and have it roam around because by the way, the power plant was probably built 40 years ago. And, you know, you can take the instruments, you can, you can carry stuff around, you can drive it around can teleoperate it because it can walk upstairs, right? Like even, even another good example is why a ro- why robot dogs, why robot dogs, when you could make a little thing with tank treads, why, what about something with wheels? If you can access, right. if you can drive around a rope, an RC car, then it's probably simpler, or cheaper to do that. So do that. Right. And, you know, or like, uh, I just think about like, um, you know, like a SWAT team dog or like a, like a dog that can roam around and like, do. it's just like, yeah, it's fine. That thing can climb upstairs too. So I think the, the, the question is like, it's so compelling, but it's like, it, you know, it needs to be able to, or so, so, or, or it needs to roam around a large space and it needs to do it frequently. It needs to do it with a lot of instrumentation or the instrumentation is so expensive that you only really want one of them for a huge facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's doing things like it's pointing thermal cameras at all the transformers in a substation, right? And it just goes and does the rounds and it's just taking pictures of like, Oh, that transformer is heating up. So you can't put thermal cameras on every single transformer, but yeah. you could put one on a dog and have it roam around every day. And yeah. that keeps the power on instead of having a crack, you know, like it's, it's the first time that there's not an outage, like it's worth it. Because that substation is in the middle of nowhere. Right. Like that's, those are the kind of applications where, the value of the mobility the flexibility it's like you're bringing those systems where, where it makes sense and it's super compelling to look at so uh sometimes like it's also spot as a celebrity so like mm-hmm. all the other stuff we've worked on has been we wanted to dance in a casino and we wanted to be in our <laughs> katie perry's calling and she wants it in her music video it's like, yeah we'll help we'll we'll help katie with that it's in 10 days okay yeah like we'll we'll go to la and do that um, because it's so, you know, and, and by the way, when we went to LA, which I, I think is fun. And as a Portland, as, as a Portland, Oregon <laughs> resident, it's also it's like an antithesis because, you know, I, mean, I don't, I don't need to explain. You can Google the differences, but in LA with spot walking around a music video set for a global pop superstar at the, it's the most jaded people you could imagine. Right, they've seen everything they don't care like they're just doing their jobs and they're all professionals like and they have you know just like superstars walking by they're like they've seen it all they've seen everything spot walks by and every single person is like boom eyes on spot right and so it's there's just something about it that's just that's just kind of magical and weird you know it's like it's really really interesting to see it face to come face to face with it so yeah I don't know what that is. And I don't know if that's in line with BD's marketing material that it does that, but it definitely has that ability. So we like to play with it for that reason too. It Uh, is now,
0: it it may not have been in BD's like uh, initial viewpoints, but now that's probably one of the top 10 things we need to focus on is, is more Katy Perry music videos with half a million hits,
1: right? I think so. Well, Katy Perry videos, when we started looking at them, when, when we got involved in that, they were the first videos I saw on YouTube that had a billion views. A billion? They had 10 digits of views. What? Yeah, it was like <laughs> 1.2 billion. And You've so got a it's long like, way to yeah. go,
0: Vlad. You have a long way to go.
1: I was just happy when I got a custom URL with 100 subscribers. So, Vlad, I mean, all the, all <laughs> the, all the, all the subscribers of Vlad, Loop, you know, Loop team, <laughs> I mean, mash, mash right? that button. Yeah, yeah <laughs> less than
0: a billion views probably total. Between all of them, maybe in our lifetimes, less than a billion views total.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, that is but crazy. to talk a little bit more about that, like it, it felt a lot like a startup. It felt a lot like a, like a machine startup because everything's changing all the time. You know, it all got built together. It all got built in the last two hours mm-hmm. and everybody's watching and there's a lot of money at stake. And the director is oh, points at you, okay, you go now. You have one take. You have, <laughs> you tri- <laughs> You know, everybody, and if you, you know, we had moments where, you know, it's walking next to Katy Perry and it like just, it, Katy walked just a little bit too close to it. And it's so smart that it moved a little bit to the side to, to not get hit by Katie but then it tripped over a curb and just cartwheeled. And they're like, okay, enough of that moving on and the entire, the entire set moves, you know, the entire production is like moving on to the next thing because they don't have time for that you know, That's like that. anyway, we did a bunch of stuff, but it was, it was very intense. It reminded me of some of the most intense startups that I've been on because it was like, you, it's, you better go now. And there were moments where we were sure, are we cra- You know, we crashed or flipped it over in a rehearsal. And we're like, we're not sure if it's going to get up. We're not sure if it's going to run and we haven't done our thing yet. Yeah, we pulled it off, but it had those kind of gut wrenching moments for sure.
2: Interesting. Dude, for those of us who are curious on the technical side, we had a, Good question from Jonathan. And again, I'm not sure how much of this information you can share with us, but he's asking, what is the license cost for the Boston Dynamics development environment? And I want to add to that, like myself, I guess I'm really curious on that same note, what does the development for that platform look like? And again, as much as you can share, but you know, I can picture, yeah. let's say the traditional automation systems I've seen, you know, robotics, I've seen AGVs. What does that, like, uh, again, if you can show the cost, but also what does the development look like for that robot?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so what's, there's so much I could say about this. Um, we haven't found the ladder editor for it yet. So fair warning out there to all the ladder crew. Like, it doesn't have that kind of a vibe. <laughs> it's, that's not what it does. So, and the other thing about Spot and our use of it is that it's, it's almost like, a, it's a lot more like a robot. Like, you like programming a robot, uh, mm-hmm. like like versus like programming PLC. Like programming PLC is like way more open in terms of like it's a programmable device. Spot, you know, you you don't you don't tell Spot where to put its feet. You tell it to walk forward, right? It has all the algorithms to do all that. So, it has some of the best APIs that I've ever seen on a, on an automated system. Um, and so the way to talk to it is with a protocol called gRPC, which I think is called like general remote procedure call or something it's built on pro which is built on protobuf it's a way of kind of handshaking between devices and describe it's it was invented by google like it's really like really cutting edge really really good really you can make it talk to it and get anything from it do anything from it the integrations are really good but it looks more like you would it, it looks more like building a web service or building like a sophisticated internet connected something something than it would look like an automation system Um, I think that's really cool. And we've built software that talks to it from Node.js and other, I would say like more, more like software engineering, software industry type of tools. That's kind of the way that the way to think about it, um, in terms of its API, it, it, it's more, it looks more like an API, um, and it's super fast and it has tons of data. It's, you can go look at all the docs. It's really, really good, really good. Um, but it's, it's pretty hardcore and capable in that way. Um, because it looks like a real time system. It looks like a that's that's what it behaves like. And yeah, it has, it has great commands. Even for just like move forward, like it's 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 really, really good. But it would, as you're thinking about it, think about how you would talk to it from Python and Node.js and these kind of like advanced software engineering tools. Like that's what it that would, that's how it was built. Um, yeah. but a lot of times we're just driving it around, or you're driving around and teaching it landmarks and you're walking around, this landmark is here, this landmark is here, I want you to do so. They have like scripting. For doing mm-hmm. missions and things like that, uh, and payload integrations, and also dancing. <laughs> dancing is another. The only, the only. This is a funny thing. The only license that we have for it is for choreographer, which is the dancing <laughs> software. So, um, I, I think, that's, I, I, right. That's the that was the adder. That right?
0: that is so on brand for, for Loop, right? Like, like, uh, you describe, like Oh, we're going to need
1: that. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. we're going to need that one. Nothing else. We'll build the rest of it. But if you can help us make it dance easier, that would be better.
1: It doesn't really have any other licenses. It's not that kind of a thing, right? Like, and it's, ex, it's expensive, but like, um, you know, and batteries are expensive and, and it's like the charging stands. But like, I think that I think the robot dog itself, if you look at the package and they have their pricing online. Mm-hmm. I think it. I think a ro- I think the kind of base robot dog with the pendant and a couple batteries is something like 75 grand. I think if um, you just
2: maybe if you stunned a few of our listeners, you know, coming 75? from an automation background, yeah, they're just not right. expecting to hear that there are no licenses, you know, that's no. maybe a little. Oh, bit I thought obvious. you meant the Give, cost them to them. Give them time. Give them time.
1: Give them time. They'll they'll figure it out. They'll they'll figure out a way to make it cost two hundred before too long. But oh,
2: absolutely. Um,
1: yeah, and it definitely needs to dance. Um, the other thing, and I I don't know if the choreographer light pricing is public. <clears throat> it's a. Low, five, very low five digits, I, I would say. I'm, I'm not. Okay. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't epically bad. And the funny thing about the choreography license is that it's required for you to buy the high end warranty for the <laughs> for the. You have to also buy the warranty. Oh, they force you to do that because uh, you're gonna crash it. Like it's gonna. You know. You're gonna. You're gonna be on some. You're gonna touch it, slip on something because a lot of the a lot of the routines and a lot of the moves that it does it sort of is turning off all of its balance algorithms for walking, which are really, really refined. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's doing more of like, more like open loop kind of like canned things. They, they work really well, but you will crash it. So when you break its wrist or when you th- accidentally fly down a set of stairs, you know, you have to have the good <laughs> warranty so that it can be repaired.
2: Oh, That's really I, cool. I, again, I'm curious to see, you know, what's going to be, developed by you guys and in general to seeing that like on the manufacturing floor, while we were discussing this again, I was just thinking uh, that on manufacturing lines, right. You have, for example, for example, faults that happen, you need somebody to go and check up yeah. or at least be the first response. I think like that would be the perfect application, right? Cause you can dynamically mm-hmm. send out one of these units and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't need really anything else except like a position. It can immediately take a yeah. snapshot of what's going on and you can almost, uh, you know, the, I would say the um, proverbial, the lights out manufacturing we, we would bring us a step closer to that because you could get an assessment right. of the issue before you even send a person there to troubleshoot. So that's right. going to be a lot and, of interesting in cases. A,
1: totally. And in a big facility, I mean, we were, we were imagining for our team almost, almost using it for things like telepresence. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if there's some giant facility yeah. that's full of equipment mm-hmm. and even to just put a high resolution camera on a gimbal and point this camera at that limit switch while I do this stuff from my my you know from my COVID bunker. Yep. That's sci-fi, but it's actually not that. It's well, we could we could totally do that, you know. And even yep. just to put eyes on something to have mobility, um, and yeah, where there's stuff where there's stuff like doing different type of gas detection or <clears throat> other types of things. Where also we need to take rounds, like every day walk around the construction site. Yep every day go do that every go take it every day go take a picture of everything and scan the entire thing and even if humans are looking at that data to go and look at you know because again that's a very unstructured environment right It's, it's 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 an unbuilt building it's half built um to have all the people in the world that are involved in that project be able to just fly around the scan of the model from today um that's something that you know could solve a lot of problems for people you know and 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 justify the cost of why, why would we, why would we do that? Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And on on that same note, I remember there was a Tim Wilborn video not too long ago where he was saying how a manager was using, you know, techs or people on the floor to kind of take pictures and then convey that information to, I would say like the engineering team's like, well, there you go. Maybe that's a solution or a conversation worth having with that engineering manager. You can automate that entire process. But in any case, I yeah. think it's going to be really interesting to see what uh, what people come up with. But I guess to kind of like close off that specific uh, discussion, you're working probably with some companies that, again, are looking to innovate, probably with the R&D departments who are trying to figure out some of these applications. And uh, I would say like still more like on the research phase than maybe like seeing it on the plant floor. Is that correct?
1: spot definitely has a flavor now for, for us, right? Like we, we've, it's definitely newer than, you know, of all the weird new things we work on, it's definitely the weirdest and the newest uh, because no one knows what, you know, people aren't clear. It's not clear what robot dogs are good for. People know what robot robot arms are good for. They've been Mm -hmm. building them for 40 years and it's a different, it's a much more mature space with lots of users. And, and so I think it's very cool and very interesting. I know there's something it's going to, it's going to hit on those things. It's certain, it's, but it's a really exploratory. Yeah. There aren't, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know of any fleets of hundreds of them that are getting done, but if you just like putting them into these places or putting them out on oil rigs or putting them out in places okay. where, you know, they're not accessible, but you need a lot of mobility and you need to bring stuff to you know, that the, those are the people that are, that are most interested, I think.
0: Absolutely. And and I would say to that point, as you describe, especially like the missions. Like, the first time it was described as going on a mission, my thought yeah. was it, it sounds very much like commercial drones, right? It, it sounds yeah, right. It like is. yeah, it sounds like how can I take this fifty thousand dollar drone and have it go fly the pattern that I want? So uh, yeah. when when I think of it in relation to kind of that more commercial um, and those more more commercial applications, as opposed to you know your two hundred dollar DJI Maverick, right? Or your right maybe $500 or $1,000 one now, I I think that that makes sense. And I think that we'll see a lot more inspection and and other services uh, when we go down that route. And I think that, uh, I I think that maybe not every facility will have them, but I would imagine large facilities, facilities that are spread out or remote or very caustic, or it's just kind of a nasty environment, or maybe we put a $10,000 thermal camera on the thing, and it goes and it runs around 50 places a day in order to, uh, to check yeah. temperatures. I think at that price um, and that price point, we'll we see a lot more items that uh, that just make sense uh, for, for robot dogs. In, in addition to dancing.
1: Yeah. And and I think uh, give, give Boston Dynamics a lot of credit too, for taking that technology and commercializing it. Oh, and yeah. also, if you look at what they're doing, they're also building systems with their technologies and with their um, scanning and presence abilities to and if you to do like box unloading it's something like way more nuts and bolts in terms of unload the truck right like they have i forget is it stretch or i don't i forget the names that because we don't work with that stuff but um they have a lot of really interesting technology and great engineers at that company to do that and they're doing stuff that looks more like traditional industrial automation as well that doesn't look like robot dogs but it's still based on a lot of the same core technologies or the same kind of awesome teams. So yeah, um, give them a lot of credit for being really innovative and they have, yeah, now they have customers like DHL signing a $15 million deal to, you know, buy whatever. So I, I I'm, I'm really hopeful for them. Um, and I I like what they're doing. They're, they're a cool team.
0: No, no, very good. I guess let let's transition more towards, you know, more, more typical robots. So like, so the the six axis robots, I think you brought up a, a really good point earlier that, you know, Uh, something to the effect of, you know, we're not going to go build a ton of new additional automotive facilities that need a thousand robotic arms. Right. I think
1: we we loop or not other people. Well,
0: well, well, I I think at some point we'll be topped out. Right. At at some point, at some point there will be enough facilities building vehicles that we, we won't build, thousands more of, or hundreds more of those facilities building vehicles. Like I, I, guess that, that is, that, that is kind of my point. You guys can say you loop will not be building <laughs> hundreds of thousands more. I will say at, at some point we'll yeah. be topped out of what I would call more kind of legacy solutions, right? Like yeah, moving right. kind of items down the way. And so you guys have been taking your motion solutions and kind of your, your more uh, BNR style background and, and combining them. Yeah. With some of your six axis arms. C- can we talk potentially about some of the novel solutions? We don't necessarily have to talk about, uh, you know, the actual applications. Cause I know you guys do a bunch of fun things like use robots to make coffee and smash pumpkins and right. control them with VR goggles and all that.
1: Right. Right. Now that's, that's all like searching for new applications or even the, even the, okay. you know, the camera robots or, or it's like a playground for technologies that we want to use in other more Commer- directly commercially applicable like our real work um where you know companies that are companies that you've heard of <laughs> are like we're trying to do this thing yeah. can you figure out how to make the robot do this thing we're like yeah that yeah. looks just like the camera robot that looks just like the coffee robot or we you know it's, mm-hmm. we're using the same apis because um, those are more like exercises and, and kind of fun things that we're playing with to, to, as really as demos right demos are, are learning opportunities Um, but to get more specific about it a a lot of the stuff that we're interested in is um it's more like it's really augmenting or it's like hooking up with robots with newer software systems so some of the stuff that we get most excited about is when we can really take over control of all the joints uh sometimes that's just spatially like move to this location and sometimes maybe at a millisecond or two or but it's, you know, we're, we're almost sort of saying, okay, robot controller, just please do what we say exactly all the time, because we have our own software, there's other systems, there's AI systems that are making decisions on the fly, because mm-hmm. a lot of the traditional robotic systems, you know, they have scripting, or they have, they have legit code software in there. But it's, it's tends to have kind of like a push play and let it go kind of a feel to it, or like a mm-hmm. kind of PLC kind of feel to it, where it's like, it's running routines that are really, really repetitive. Uh, And so a lot of those things where we're hooking into new systems for decision-making or for increasing the accuracy or for being really adaptive all the time, because the part is always different. Those are things that, um, where a lot of new software and sensing technology can make robots do new things they, they, they couldn't do before. Um, so sometimes it's just dealing with variability, even if it's just dispensing, it's like, well, the part that comes out of the mold is squishy and it we scan it and every time we would change a path every time even that kind of a problem is not that you know not always that well served by uh, existing existing dispense solutions or let's say out of dispensing system that has a handful of servo axes because there's a few fancy pumps and there's some mixing like you have this other complicated system that needs to coordinate really tightly with a six axis robot there are ways to do that out of the box with, with, from the robot suppliers. Like, don't get me wrong, but there's also a limit or there's also you can take it further. Um, I think a common example that we see that I, that I could talk about generally is is like I mentioned in aerospace where mm-hmm. uh, some of the most interesting applications were in a carbon fiber layup. So they're taking strips, little strips or sometimes big strips, but little strips, maybe you know, 1630 rows of little strips of tape. Mm-hmm. And they're flying that robot, they're flying that actuator across the surface and they're they're cutting those edges of that tape at two meters a second. They have to lay down the edge within like a fraction of a millimeter. So if you do the math, you do the motion control math, you're like, well, we have 30 axes that need to be 30 servo axes and Mm -hmm. these triggers that are need to happen with sub-millisecond timing along the path. You cannot do that with a regular robot controller. Are you using Uh, vision in that mix
2: as well? are you like detecting those edges using vision or is that position no
1: sometimes usually it's pre planned but it's just exactly at that location because they're laying stuff on top of each other and all the edges need to be aligned or you know they they really care about it like if they're you know a millisecond or two ends is a millimeter right like in, in the, on those machines and that's that's not as accurate as they need to be so um those are examples or you know, even just taking it and measuring it or doing live compensations you know scanning the part and then re- redoing these are all places where there's a lot of flexibility where new t- new software tools or better coordination or better timing means that, well yeah you can take this you know 50 or hundred thousand dollar robot and make it do something that otherwise might might be like a million dollar gantry to build to do that uh, and so in in places where that's you know and that, that opens up to places that that makes it cheaper to build carbon fiber parts and makes it better you know, now more airplane parts are made out of carbon fiber it's just those are the kind of things that that we're helping people to innovate on. Um, at least when we're going high end, or we're going in terms of like really expanding what a robot can do by like usually software or other systems or other coordinating with other motion control systems. Uh, that's where there can be a lot of new things uh, happening.
2: David, good question from our chat again. Jonathan is asking any additive manufacturing applications sounds quite relevant to these new challenges. I'm wondering yeah. if you've seen, you know, like robot arms, I've seen a, a demo of it building like a house. And now instead of being yeah. like a giant CNC, it is a robot arm that actually uh, places mm-hmm. the concrete. So I'm wondering if you have any examples.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and um, ABB, I didn't mention too much the ABB connection, but ABB Robotics, you know, one of the global market leaders. I don't, I don't know whether they say what number they are, but they're in like top, top few, let's say, mm-hmm. maybe top two, top three. Um, they came along and acquired BNR or ABB, the parent company did, which is sort of how we got involved. We had already been working with robotics, but it's like, Oh, cool. You know, the, the, one of the juggernauts just came along and now we're part of that team. That's great. Cause we can take all this great technology to it. Um, and so we've also been learning a lot about just what ABB, what ABB's platform has. Um, they have really good, like their, their programming tools in robot studio are really in, like hands down the best if, in, in my opinion. Um, and they also have great, uh, they have power packs. They have sort of like value-add stuff. And one of them is 3D printing. They have a great 3D, 3D printing package that helps with you know, the slicing and like converting the code into like what the robot arm can do and integrating in with the dispensing systems or the, the extruding systems. And that pack, it's like, it works great. We've helped people just use that package and maybe do some simple stuff around it. Uh, we've also done stuff that's in more where the materials or the dispensing is more tricky or complicated, or there's, there's other motion control stuff it's not just like a speed dependent or it's not just there's some limit to like what that dispensing package could do and wherever that limit is there's always people that are like but we need to do this like, yeah we can help you we can help you with that so it's a ton of additive additive manufacturing squishing out every kind of goo or you know, <laughs> dispense mixture epoxy what you know people are people are doing that building building up plastics like it's there's, and people are finding new ways to use that stuff because, yeah, a, a robot arm is a cheap way to build like a giant 3D printer. Oh,
2: no, um, absolutely. And, See, Dave, yeah, maybe that's mm. an option for you to build me that uh, silver play button that you were yes. mentioning at the start of this show, so.
0: We, we can just yeah. use lots of goo to, to squish it out. So I want to yeah, continue- Yeah, squishing goo. <laughs> squishing goo, I, I like it. We'll, we'll just rename the theme, uh, Squish Squishing Goo. <laughs> we, we won't actually rename the theme, so I want to continue this conversation but we've got some people to thank. So Vlad, can you play us that noise and uh, we'll do the thing?
2: There you go.
0: Awesome, so we, we do wanna thank Siemens for sponsoring this uh, this robotics theme. Uh, the technological tasks in modern machines and plants are diverse and often demanding. It's good to know that there's a smart answer to all the challenges regarding motion control, signal acquisition, output, closed loop PID control, edge computing, artificial intelligence, and machine learning with CIMATIC technology and CIMATIC technology CPUs. Now, David, th- this part always shocks me. So I'm gonna ask you to, I, I, I wanna look at your eyes when you see this. So Siemens is the global uh, leader and innovator when it comes to industrial motion, robotic and simulation applications. This is the part. So they are one of the world's biggest investors in R&D technology, spending more than 6.11 billion US dollars per year. And they have maintained this investment throughout the pandemic. This is shocking, oh. right? So. It's a lot of money. It's it's a lot of robots. It's a lot of Uh, We're going to let Vlad do longhand $6.11 billion per year divided by spot robots, right? So, and (laughs) they've been coming out with a bunch of amazing things, right? So the integrated and scalable Cymetic technology automation solutions save you valuable engineering time for simple tasks, as well as complex issues and guarantee maximum efficiency and flexibility. This means one engineering framework with TIA portal, one control with Cymetic technology CPU one communications for standard automation, safety, and motion control with PROFINET. Um, I'd also like to, to throw in, if you guys haven't caught it, episode 51, we were talking to Max Kirkpatrick uh, from Siemens, and he was walking us through all of the simulation technology that they have, and one of the things that, at least Vlad and I think is really cool, is you can go through the, simu- through the Siemens um, technology simulations, and you can kind of basically drop in any robot you want. You can build the cells and you can automate the cells. And so that, that was very interesting. And we are very interested. Like, I, I think we know enough about Digital Twin uh, and how many people use it to say that it's an awesome technology and we're going to see more and more of it into the future. Uh, so, so that that's actually one of the technologies that I'm excited for the Fortune 50, the fortune 5000 to kind of go and continue to pioneer so the rest of us can uh, can be able to afford it um into the future and so to kind of bring it back to, to one of david's previous points so i actually worked for one of those companies that was ripping off kuka titan controllers putting uh siemens controllers on to drill well that was a specific drill of an airplane fuselage um application yep. in there and so uh Honestly, some of the smartest people I've ever met. Uh, one of your previous comments, David, was something like "it's just a little bit more math," and <laughs> I, I, I that, that, this is like one of those things. So, I, I like to I like to joke that that automation manufacturing is, is all math, right? Be, but robotics it's it's a lot of like it's not even a joke it is just all math you know six axis or seven axis or a thousand axis with a soft-sided robot kind of any one of those things i think that that's very interesting and so uh for me coming from that background, it was very interesting to see, you know, how precise, you know, plus or minus, call it a millimeter or, or less than a millimeter that it has yeah. to be. And you think like, that's okay. We should be able to do that and we should be able to do that repeatedly. But but then you look at kind of the tolerances of everything. And, you, you know, if, if it's a foot, you know, we have plus or minus maybe half a millimeter. I, I, in the past had had to go to attempt to get, you know, three foot long you know, ends in order to kind of press rivets. And when, yeah. the, when, when the tolerance is like plus or minus half a millimeter over three feet, and then you've got all of the critical tolerance callouts, um, it's nearly impossible. There are probably 10 places in the entire world that can realistically produce that and it becomes excessively expensive. And so it, it is right. interesting to watch, automotive it's interesting to watch aerospace it's interesting to watch kind of many of these other very precise industries force us to understand critical tolerances right to, to be able to force yeah. us to say hey these controllers we were doing 15 years ago like they're okay for 70 percent of applications but we're not 70 yeah. percent we're the top one tenth of one percent of applications if we actually want to do this then we need to become much better and I think right. a lot of the industry has certainly gotten better over the last 15 years. I don't know how many KUKA Titan controllers are in a warehouse somewhere um, in a variety of parts <laughs> so of, of Germany. Yeah,
1: mil-
0: Millions of dollars when I talked to them about it uh, 10 or 12 yeah, years ago. But, yeah. um, but no, so I, I, think it, I think it's very interesting and much like the rise of, of a variety of these applications, I think we're going to continue to see better and better solutions uh, come out. So we talked a lot about cobots i don't know if you guys do yeah. too much cobot work but uh to, to kind of maybe bring the that to the point with with cobots right so you see a lot of cobots and the, the my first uh my first view of cobots or my, my first introduction was at a trade show with kind of that, that touch pendant right of hey we yeah. can go touch here we can touch here it can pick it up with the gripper and it can go move and it can drop it and i think that that, that was kind of interesting, but we, we've seen and heard and talked to a lot of people who are using cobots for because of safety reasons and because of space reasons. So I think we're yeah. seeing a, a lot of innovative and new technologies coming in because we can go kind of take, hey, someone built this solution. It wasn't my solution, but... I can use it for uh, I can use it for the industry that, that I'm working in, um, and I guess that kind of leads me to uh, the question: Do you see a lot of new industries, or do you guys have a lot of people who, who in the past had not had robots looking to come to you to adopt new robots or looking for robotic yeah. solutions?
1: Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up cobots because that's what I wanted to talk about next too, and and the the things that we're talking about when we're trying to hit a fraction of a millimeter at 12 feet in any point in an envelope <laughs> that that's stuff that's high end or let's coordinate hundred axes on the down below mills, so, you know, like that is, it is opening robots into new applications. When we talk about cobots, it's, a, it's, it's also the same idea, which is it's opening robotics into new applications. It's just doing it in a different way, not by going high end or not by like really necessarily changing what's, but changing what's possible in a different way, because to me. You know, and, and actually, there's nobody here complain about cobots more than traditional robot companies and integrators. Which, again, I, some integrators, if you're feeling, you know, maybe sensitive about it, it's like, and I think the reason is because they're they're seen as like this like toy or they're seen as low end, yeah. um, and integrators are like people are applying them incorrectly, and and maybe they are, maybe they are in some cases. Um, or maybe they don't know enough about it, but I think the reason that uh, cobots are opening up a lot of new opportunities for for people to try things yep. again, like that's what we're all about. Like just try it. Like just try a new. Th- you, maybe it'll work. Maybe maybe you'll learn something, and then it'll turn into something else. Like just give it a shot. Is that it? Doesn't take you? Don't have to go buy the robot and then pay an integrator fifty, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars to build you a cell. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's a few hundred thousand dollars that you're putting on the line to. Hopefully, have something that's going to work. So that yep. means is like the payback has to be this, the internal rate of return has to be this. Like mm-hmm. it changes what you would even take a bet at because it's too yep. expensive. It has to be a sure thing. It has you know, and so it's like those are the applications that are well addressed by robots, traditional robots. Yep. And that's why they're that's where they really excel. But mm-hmm. cobots, it's you know, and I say this kind of as a shape shifting company. We are an integrator, but also we're not. We also sell robots. So mm-hmm. just buy the robot. The interesting thing to me about cobots and when I talk with people about selling cobots or applying cobots is mm-hmm. one of the most effective things I ever heard was just take the cobot to the person that anybody that's interested in it and just drop it off with the junior engineer at that company for a week. Mm-hmm. And they will find something useful to do with it and they'll and then you'll say uh, so do you want to just keep that should we just go ahead and invoice you for that and they show their manager or their manager's manager look what I did with this cobot in a week. And they're like, yep. wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, approved. Right. Signed. And that. that's how it lowers the bar of an experimentation because that junior engineer is not going to go ask his manager's manager for 300 grand. That's yeah. not possible. Right. So, and it's a
2: no uh, risk, risk trial, and, right? Because as you said, they could just always no no return it, does, it, it.
1: Yeah, that totally. Right. It's a low risk mm-hmm. trial. Even if it's just, you just buy the cobot, it turns out it didn't get used. You, you only are betting 20, 30, 40 grand. You're not betting 300 grand. That's way yep. different. You know, yeah. so it's like even the, the kind of what it takes to try new experiments is like a much lower bar. And then they mm-hmm. find these places where they're really useful and these new opportunities come up. So you never would have put a conventional robot in front of that many machine tending cells. Somebody's yep. like, I'm going to try it. I think it can make it work. And that was some junior. It was some intern probably that did that. You know, again, that, yep. that's how they get yeah. started. And it's it's really lowering the bar because you didn't necessarily need to be a software engineer like the, the UI being friendlier and the teaching elements being friendlier mm-hmm. are just they're making it easier for people to try things.
2: And so that's
1: where I think it's most interesting. And yeah, they probably, we should probably also teach them a little bit about how to do safety, safety properly. Yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, it's like, well, you know, the, the robot itself is not going to hurt them in the way that a conventional robot could totally hurt them really badly, much worse. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, it's not quite the same risk factor. So anyway, Mm -hmm. like to a lot of the, in a lot of the integrators are like, they're just, it's not for them. It's not for an integrator. An integrator is trying to, you know, an integrator rightfully so is trying to do like a great job professionally engineering a quarter million dollar project or a million dollar project. Like that's not, you know, that's I. And again, there, there's innovator or there's innovative uh, integrators that do use cobots effectively and, and mm-hmm. get it, and they know what they're good for, and and that's great. But like it's kind of anti-integrator, if you ask me, because it's not. It's made for. It's made to self-integrate. It's made yeah. so you buy a, You know, we were looking at. Um, you can buy you can buy cobot bases off McMaster. You can really, buy, yes, you can buy table off invention and a other part from McMaster. And it's like, yeah, you're a junior engineer that just built a robot cell. Good work. That's awesome. right. And like, what are those people going to be capable of that? That's what I'm excited to see. You know, it's very mm-hmm. different than blasting holes in airplane fuselages for you know, infinite money. You know, like that's, yeah. that's a different game, but it's still, it's still the same thing. It's new technology. How can we put it to use?
0: Absolutely, and and I would say to uh, t- to that point, I for most people in most companies, betting a quarter of a million dollars plus is a uh, not. I mean, you're potentially betting the longevity of the company that this will go right. But if you don't own you're the certainly company, certainly betting your job. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. If you yeah. don't own the company, it's your job. And yeah. so <laughs> any a- anything that we can do to reduce the risk, and maybe it's a. You get a cobot or two cobots or five cobots and it goes really well and you're like hey let's go for a let's go for a half a million dollar Kuka titan because i really want to be more safely lifting you know inputting outputting you know big you heavy pieces of things
1: or you work your way exactly up there. and or the you know what i also notice and if you read about disruption theory like clayton christians and talking about low-end products they do go up the performance curve. They start, Mm -hmm. and you can see, you can see Cobots doing that. We increase the payloads, we increase the speeds, Mm -hmm. we increase this. And they start to, they start to eat away at the more like establishment or the more incumbent type of approaches until they're starting to take over everything except for like the very most high-end things. And yeah, that's like, that's a pattern that happens in a lot of industries. So yeah, I mean, um, I got to put a plug in too, because ABB has a great Cobot that they came out with recently called the Gofa. Mm that uh, has that kind of uh, kind of self uh, drive to teach and a lot of those same characteristics. Mm-hmm. We're, we, we have one and we're really excited about it. We, we like to use it and more people should know about it because um, yes. UR is not the only company that makes uh, nice cobots. And that, so I wanted exciting. to follow up.
2: Sorry, Dave, I wanted to follow up on that. Uh, uh, David, I guess like someone who's not extremely experienced in cobots and who has seen them, as I've mentioned a couple of times at shows, could you maybe yeah. give us a breakdown of, uh, again, like different platforms? And I would say also, you know, if someone's on the technical side kind of looking to, again, maybe bring one of these into their manufacturing facility or perhaps just learn about them for their own you know, yeah. personal knowledge, like what would be like a good starting point, like a resource or again, like a certain brand that provides, I would say like a bit more information than some of the others where you could just kind of dive in at maybe low to uh, no cost.
1: Yeah, well, definitely you should email Loop. Uh, with all of your cobot opportunities so put put my link in the chat um, i want to hear from you if that's how you feel um, if i were to give the general answer if i were to give the general answer and the, the informative advance answer obviously you are as a market leader and they created mm-hmm. category um, so you've got to yeah. tip your hat to them for doing that um, and that's that's cool and you know we know the people that work with them and sometimes we do work with them uh, in some applications um, because people are using them or they have used them and we need to talk to them or integrate to them. Um, But also, you know, when you're putting Cobot cells together, it's kind of table, Cobot, gripper, fixtures. Like it's, it's kind of, it's just putting a few of those pieces together. I mean, I was joking. I I wasn't really joking that you could almost do it for McMaster. You could almost do everything for McMaster. And I think it's, you know, what, it more comes down to like what relationships you have with the people that are going to help you just like, here's how it runs. And, you know, most Cobot companies that are worth their salt or like have somebody that will show you the ropes. Mm -hmm. They have, they have people, they have application people that can help you do that. We're going to be doing a lot of media around that. We're going to be showing people like... Um, and we work with we work with ABB on cobots. We work um, we work with a gripper, a gripper company called OnRobot that has a great product. And the stuff is so fun to work with. It just like clicks together, plug it in, it's like oh, it's running. Like the gripper is gripping. Like it's not. That's again. That's what. There's nothing for an integrator to do. Right? It's just like oh, you know, the <laughs> signal is this. You know, and um, I can make it open and close. And then you just you just sort of build up build up by running it. You know, I I think. The other thing that I would plug about that is back to robot studio with ABB is their, their simulator software is, is, is great. Like you can just run, you can just download and run the trial and play with the thing in the simulator without, again, that okay. might be what gets you to get your boss to get the ABB person to come and talk to you about it. Yep. right? Like, because you can just play with the bots and the simulators just to see like, oh, can I get a feel for this? this is this something that I think I could do? Or even just like, I can put in my parts, I can put in my table, I can I can show the thing virtually picking it up. And then you show you show it to one other person it's who gone. has more power or money than you and you're like, oh yeah, it looks like you got it done. Mm-hmm. You know, here's your signature for your thing and or here, yeah, let's bring that in and let's try it. Um, okay. and so, yeah, it's the other, the other shout out I would give, I, we, we, we've kind of, we're friends with them. We're not, we don't have like a distribution, uh, any kind of relationship with them, but Vention is also really cool. Um, for someone that's just like, wants to try stuff out or they have a lot of like pre-made kind of systems. And I don't know if they're the cheapest or, you know, they're just, but they're certainly the most convenient and the coolest mm-hmm. and have the best tools for if you really just want to mock up a cell. You can mock it up in their tools make a couple changes and click a button and like all the parts arrive like we've done an unbox of one interesting um, okay. that's like on and stuff. On a side note
2: so maybe yeah they are yeah. Me. oh cool. Awesome.
1: yeah no you should check them out so again like you just need some fixturing and tables and an, an, an arm and you know sometimes there's vision and stuff like that but i mean that's mm-hmm. often it's just is it there or not try to pick it up like it's you can get started a lot simpler than that
0: interesting so i i like that so just to clarify you did say that we can go download and run robot studio um w- without any extra cost for, for at least some period of time david
1: yes that's right if okay. i'm wrong about that i'm going to talk to my adb contact and make sure okay. we have a, talk, well, talk, we'll talk to mark if okay if if if, if you can't if you run into any roadblocks email me and we'll email mark and he'll he'll help people out because no it's okay. really one of those things try it out i am pretty sure they still do free they they have free trials and I'm looking at um, the yeah, website it's, now.
2: It's 30 days. Robot Studio 30? Power yeah, Packs okay. for 30 days. You can download it.
0: Which I think is great. So one of the questions that people continue to ask us and you know, one of the big kind of issues and how can we get more involved in it is kind of this industry in general. It's very expensive, right? Like Very few things can you get 30 days or, or any amount of days for yeah, free. Right. So I think that, that that's that, that's awesome. So we'll be sure to drop that in the show notes and kind of make note of that throughout the uh, throughout all of the shows in the theme if people are looking to uh to learn more um i i feel like we've kind of touched the, the, this next kind of area of of conversation but where do you think the future of robots is going to be is it going to be spot is it going to be our cobots going to eat the world you know <laughs> h- how are we going to get more robots into uh into industry
1: uh well I think there's more work for robots to do i think there's yeah. a lot of again that's the purpose of the bridge just like there's all this amazing technology lying around for solving new kinds of problems and pushing what robots are capable of um there's a lot of work that's been happening in research for decades that hasn't really made it into robots because hasn't found the right opportunities or hasn't found the right economic models but there's phds that spent their whole career learning you know yep. some of the control techniques on spot you're like how does it move like that it's like look at the last 40 years of PhDs talking about how robots should move like that's where it came from um and so I just feel like there's really no limit to where that stuff is going to show up because really um what robots represent to me is all those software and digital systems like that's how they make it into the physical world like so there's going to be so many opportunities if you want to move stuff around or push stuff around or drill holes or shoot lasers at things like Mm -hmm. you have to make physical things move and at that point we're talking about robots right it's whether it's something you build out of a custom pile of metal yourself or it's a spot or it's a six axis Mm -hmm. we don't really make a distinction between those right we're we're just how do we get the software to do stuff in the real world um and there's i i'm sure that you know we all the three of us anyway could spend our whole careers doing that and never be finished so that's that's my plan (laughs)
2: Yeah. I mean it's super I, I, interesting because there's so many variables, right? Like there there's not only the robot arm, but then there's the grippers, like you've mentioned, there's also the vision systems. And you yeah. know, I was thinking about the problem that you've mentioned of high precision. And the question in my mind was do we solve that with very precise math and making sure that the robot goes where it needs to be, or do we compensate, you know, using a vision system that will place that part? You know what I mean? And obviously, like it depends on the application, on the environment, well, obviously, there's so many we need different do- like all of those at the right. same yes. time I, yes exactly. all of those.
1: It's yes right. and it's like it's you know and then you're like well if we could get the vision system and we scan the part and we have it as accurate as possible and we have this crazy ai on it then then we can it's like these are all just like pushing exactly. further what's possible yeah. Yeah. again mm-hmm. some of the stuff that we're working on now that looks more like conventional cncs has all of that stuff At the same time, and active laser guidance system all the time, like just because it's like the envelope. So yes, it's like all of that, right? Every single one of those things is like changing what the limits of performance are, and there's going to be there's there's people that find use for it, right? That's that that's what we think.
2: Absolutely, so it's
1: it's all the above.
2: The the people, yeah.
1: Oh, I was
0: going to say the the people that I know building these systems for the last twenty plus years have kind of done all of that, have the the PhD that they spent 10 or 15 years researching on that turned into, Hey, I can turn this into a business that got bought by a larger business that, you know, this is, this is what they are moving on. And it's, it's kind of all of those, but then at the end of the day, you still have an operator who doesn't want to work Saturday and crashes it (laughs) into a fuselage of a machine. And now we're a million dollars of broken parts of an aircraft and a, sell and we're down for three weeks because we have to repair it. Right. So
1: somebody, yeah, somebody's going to be upset about that. Vlad, to your point, like that's what I like about our work. And I was having a conversation with a, with a client this past week where we were sort of, we were talking about, They have a really interesting, very large scale problem that they're trying to solve. And we have been talking to them about how we're going to solve it with six axis robot. Mm -hmm. And what I was telling him and I wanted to be really clear with him was, look, we're not a robot company where the answer is going to be a robot, right? The answer is for sure going to be a robot if you're talking to a robot salesperson. And it's like, what's the right mix of things? What's the right mix of techniques? Mm-hmm. um should it be a gantry instead should we make out of custom things should we instead use a robot dog like that's what i like about what we're doing where we're at it's like very flexible in terms of solving the problem do we solve it with vision do we solve it with machine? do we just build the entire thing out of granite and Invar? right like it's like what's the right solution right like that, that's what i like about the kind of work that we do uh, with, with these with, with just like thinking of it from purely from machine design point of view instead of how do i use a robot no, absolutely,
2: and, and that requires a lot of thought, right? Like at the end of the day, that requ- I I, th- I would say like the engineering challenge of maybe just moving that robot from point A to point B, however precise that may be, the the most of the time spent is on the design thinking and understanding like the real challenge. And again, like there's so many right. facets to this whole system, right? Like we talked about robots, vision systems, grippers. Uh, a, again, like your control systems are tied in. Your data is now coming through the cloud right. and it, again, like your parts are changing. So there's so many moving variables that makes, I think like this space uh, very exciting, at least like for the yeah. years to come. I think there's gonna be more and more challenges, but also more and more opportunities uh, to work right. on these different applications. Dave? Right, yeah.
0: No, no, I, I agree. I think all of this is, is very exciting. So I'm gonna ask this question knowing full well that we're gonna go over our <laughs> 75 minutes-ish uh, it's but, just but, a matter so, of how,
1: how much over, Dave. I'm not stopping exactly. until, you pull well, me, until you close the meeting. That, <laughs> go that, ahead. That's
0: fine. You guys, uh, you guys hold on because uh, – so uh, talking about the future, um, we'll, we will shout out another Loop brand. So you guys run a group called Ship and Six, right, where you guys go and kind of develop, I don't know, wild, crazy ideas that customers are asking you to do. And so I remember watching something that was like a Tetra Pack or like a variety pack machine that you guys built around a six-axis robot. Um, yeah. Can can you talk about that a little bit? Because I feel like it solved a very interesting problem and is yeah. you know very futuristic compared to what the market currently looks like.
1: Well, this is, this is Dave showing his, like, I like your older stuff kind of hipness where he's like, remember when you remember your first album that you did? Yeah. yeah that no one bought, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> or no one's heard of. No, I appreciate that. Um, we mm-hmm. we did, I, I mentioned that we do these exercises sometimes just for various reasons as good practice to show the technology in use, you know, to really bring people into how we solve problems. And we did a live stream um, mm-hmm. right before COVID and then kind of like into the early part of COVID of um, doing a new machine design that was based around uh, BNR's track, like a uh, high-speed shuttle track system, which mm-hmm. is very cool. It's called the Acapaz Track. It moves super fast. Can electronically divert things. Like Tesla built like a big battery production system around the technology because it could link uh, everything at, at like full. That's capacity. what it is. Mm-hmm. I oh, wrote a blog post about that. I wrote. I wrote I've an seen article it about that. You've seen. I, it, I've okay. seen it
0: at the facility.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I wrote a, I wrote a post, uh, I wrote a clickbait headline of like the, the <laughs> secret weapon behind Elon Musk's new battery factory, because they, they were showing Akapaz tracks in there. And again, all might be in our context. We're, we're, we're afraid because they're, they're under NDAs, but I didn't work on it. So I just like, I'm just pointing at Tesla's videos. Yep. Um, anyway, we were, we wanted to show again, revolutionary new technology, like never been done before. Like why would anybody, it's sort of like with robot dogs, why would you do this with high speed shuttles? You don't take a conveyor and replace it and put a high speed shuttle in and it makes sense. it doesn't make sense. Like it's like it's a different thing. And so we, we did a we were thinking through and we had talked with the packaging OEM and they said, OK, those shuttles are kind of cool. How would you solve this problem? And they gave us one. They basically handed us one of their cells that they did in a really conventional way with mm-hmm. four robots. And multiple screw timing machines. And like, it was, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's basically how machines are built today. So like, I'm not knocking nope. it, but it was like, they're like, how would you solve this problem? It's like, oh, get rid of all the screw machines. We can pitch everything dynamically on the tracks and we can have the robot end effector be flexible enough with five servos on it to hit your rate in a quarter of the footprint. Mm-hmm. And it, by the way, it, it, it can take any bottle size between tiny one and a big one. Yep, And we, so we did this track pack, we called it the track packer. It was like a case packing machine that could, could pitch and basically could do zero, basically zero time changeovers, like no time changeover between products and a really, really interesting concept. And yeah, I just had a robot at the center just to pick up the parts and put them into the box. But like, it was all the magic was in like the sequencing and the timing and the track systems. We, we really wanted to show people what's possible because people weren't thinking of how to solve the problem in that way. Um, And it was so such a new idea. It's still such a new idea, like these track systems, especially being track systems. Like, I don't know if it's really gotten into the machine designers heads of like, why would you do that? Because people are like, isn't that expensive? And you're like, well, sort of Um, The machines are
0: expensive to begin with.
1: The machines are expensive, but also floor space is expensive. Also, this machine can run triple the rate of any machine you've seen before. So what do you mean expensive? Right. Like. Mm Um, it was just such a different solution that we really wanted to inspire people. So yeah, definitely check out the track packer. We have a couple of links to that. We did a concept and we built a digital twin of it. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that was the real software. Like we were like, are we going to, you know, are we going to buy a bunch of gear and build this machine next? Like that was us really demonstrating, like we can build it in the simulators first, like yep. then we'll go pitch it around. If somebody's interested, we'll build one, you know? And, and so far, like it hadn't, we, we, I think we, It felt too new. Like when we would pitch people, like people weren't getting it. Like, or there was something we're missing about the explanation. I still think it's really cool, but, and yeah, people should check it out. If, if it should be revived uh, by all means, like, yeah, let's do it. Or it's just, it's just waiting.
2: (laughs) David, what's the name of the uh, the BNR tech? uh, I'm finding a few links. It's called super track and then acapose track. Is that
1: acapose track? Yeah. Super track is one super track is more of like, it's limited to an oval. It's limited to like a racetrack. Okay. Um, and Acapaz track has basically these segments where it can flip. So you, they, you put two track segments next to each other and the shuttle can jump from one to the other. So it can mm-hmm. turn left, turn right. You yeah. can build these amazing. Anyway. Yeah. Dave, you've seen it, you, you've oh. seen the videos, so you know what it's like, it's, it's amazing what it, yes. what it does uh, and it can link, it can link any production. You know, I think when, when you see Tesla do it, they link all their production machines at full speed. Mm-hmm no buffer you know there's some buffers and stuff like that but it's like everything is running completely linked as if it's one machine and you hear them talk about it like they did a presentation and they were like we looked at printing machines we looked at bottling machines and that's how we want to make batteries hell yeah right they yeah. they did it they're doing it so um yeah that's the Acapaz track uh tra what a, yeah I, sorry their I name put is up the link I'm gonna apologize it, on their behalf yeah that's interesting. no check it out uh, we did no, it around for a couple of years now it's it's amazing stuff yeah.
0: It is. I, I think it's very interesting. I've shown it to people w- within the last month because yeah. uh, it, it, it was yeah. an issue, and I'm like, this comes very close to solving the issue that uh, that, that we were talking about. But no, so I, I like that. I feel like that's one of those futuristic designs that was certainly worth mentioning. And I Thank think you. it kind yeah. of, it, oh, absolutely. And I think it brings in the the robot. It brings in the moving track. It brings in the vision. It kind of brings in all of those things that that we were talking about. And yeah. it, it's it's one of those that it's kind of a solution that's waiting. There's a problem, but it is a solution that is waiting for a customer. If you will, yeah, like someone right. saying, Hey, my floor space is 10 X more valuable because I've run out of floor space, but it's okay. We only have customers, I don't know, once every month
1: complaining about Are running like, out of floor space. We never, we never tried to change over that fast before. No one ever asked us to, <laughs> like, yeah. well, what would it mean if you could, you know, like what could you do yep. in terms of your, you know, your run sizes could be, you know, minuscule microscopic you know like and, and it's like who's going to see that as an opportunity to open up new markets or run you know every every influencer could have their own cosmetic brand because you're just running runs of 300 like yeah. those are the kind of those are the kind of things that those production machines would be capable of
2: um, but again, if they're just
1: used you're, you're not going to replace the way you did it the old way and keep everything else the same you know it's like so yeah companies like tesla come along and they're like oh yeah we're trying to solve this battery production problem like this is the ticket and yeah they're mm-hmm. I really give them a lot of respect for for doing that. That was that was really yeah. uh, aggressive and, and very cool of them to do.
0: Absolutely, uh, no. Th- thank you for that. Uh, so, kind of the, the next question that we ask everyone um, is for career advice, but maybe as opposed to <laughs> we're, right. But 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 let's kind of frame it into the, if someone wants to do some fun, weird stuff, uh, maybe some futuristic stuff like uh, like you folks at Loop. What is kind of your your career advice? uh, for someone looking to get into new applications?
1: Uh, let's see. I think, I think it just comes down to to, to practice and intention. Mm -hmm. Like, um, at at a time, like, I think, I think in the first five or 10 years of the company, we tried Mm -hmm. to appear normal, like on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) We were like, we're trying to be like, we were like, wear suits, you know, and we're like, we're, you know, we're trying to look like, conventional professional automation salespeople really were yeah. like, we want to just like revolutionize everything. Like we want to mm-hmm. like, we, we want to go so hard at this. And, 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 and we were afraid at that time that if we were, we said things like we say now, which is the purpose of loop is revolution or, mm-hmm. else, you know, or we're not interested mm-hmm. like how are we even have a company, we have to work on all this boring stuff. And that's not really true. In fact, that was holding us back. Because what, that's really what, really what we, we wanted to do like, and so we like, once we really like accepted that, once we, once we got really clear about that, then honestly, those things started coming out of the woodwork because it was clear what we were about. It was clear that we were, that we care about innovation. We care about experimentation. We care about creativity mm-hmm. and the, the people, whether that's employees or whether that's clients or whether that's suppliers that, that also are aligned in that way. They're like, yeah, we see instantly right away. Like we had a, we had a company again, major company, whose name you would know. We met, we got introduced the first time with ABB. Mm-hmm. They, and uh, through ABB, through our contacts at ABB, cause they already worked together. And in, you know, I'm used to, I was used to having to like try to cold message, cold call, you know, please let me come meet with you, blah, blah. blah like all this okay. stuff. In this case, ABB referred, they said, you should talk to Loop about that because they like to do weird stuff. And they showed up with nine people at our office. <laughs> Oh man. In the first meeting, because wow. it was clear that we were aligned. It was clear that, that, that we were aligned in that way. And they could see that because we were, we were like fearless about, no, this is what we're about. Right. This is what we're mm-hmm. doing. And they were like, cool, that's what we need. And so I, I guess part of it was just like owning that and just mm-hmm. going like, again, easy for us to say, like, we had a lot of practice. We were, we were, yeah. had been in business for a while, but like, I think, I think I wish I had done that sooner or, you know, been clear about that and don't, you know, don't kind of, think you need to do normal stuff or boring stuff to even to pay the bills. If you have to, if you have to, please do. Right. If you have to, I Mm -hmm. respect that. But like, um, I think there was a lot of that stuff in retrospect where I was like, I was in the wrong place because I was working with people Mm -hmm. that didn't want to innovate things. They didn't want to change things in a, in a positive way. And, you know, they, maybe they had the reasons, but you know, why were we working together if that's the case? Um, so yeah, I think that was just like being clear about that was what has helped me a lot, especially in the last handful of years.
2: If I I ask a follow up to that, uh, career advice answer yeah. um i guess like david i mean i would look at you guys again like as innovators in the space but also a company that does things differently from like a technology standpoint right like it's not your traditional controls equipment it's uh like you guys program in many ways i would say yeah. with more traditional like software best practices right so I'm, i was wondering yeah, you know when you talk to people with um when you're hiring people, right? Like what do you typically look for or how does it how does it fit in a company like yours? Do you typically prefer people with more of a computer science background? Do you hire, again, like from manufacturing and then train them on the software best practices? Like, Is there any maybe thoughts around that for someone who's, again, like looking forward into what the space is going to transform into and is trying to, yeah. again, like either learn new skills or kind of adapt themselves to how the yeah. space is changing?
1: Yeah, well, uh, I'm going to answer your question, but I have to revise my answer to Dave's question, which was my career advice would be come to work for Loop if you feel that way. <laughs> because that's, that's, where to, that's where you'll that be understood. Was, That was
0: the setup. That, that was the setup. Thank you, Dave. I
1: just yes. whiffed it. I just whiffed it. Okay. I'm, I'm glad I got on the second try. Um, so, Vlad, to answer your question, I think one of the things that attracted me to controls and automation and motion control was that it was very, like, uh, I used to say multidisciplinary. Because, and I, I got a general engineering degree from University of Illinois, which was g- general, right? It seems like useless, but it was like, you take mechanical, electrical, software, so you take all these different, because I liked, I liked all the different things, right? I don't want to, I'm not. And so we have a variety of different backgrounds, like not just in your degree, but some people, I don't even know if they have a degree, I'm not sure. Um, and, and that's because like, they, who, where where do you get that knowledge that is like, If a machine's not working, it could be a mechanical problem, it could be electrical problem, it could be a software problem, or all three, right? Or 10 of each, right? Like, and so like really being comfortable or like finding multi people that are curious, people that are aligned on that value, people that are like aren't really attached. Like now I would say anti-disciplinary, which is like we don't we don't acknowledge. I, I picked this term up from MIT. We disagree with the idea of disciplines, right? Like we're we're an electrical and a mechanical engineer and a software engineer. Um, so there are places where we find that, like, there are schools that have like more mechatronics focus, but it's, it's often like you are an electrical engineer and you picked up some controls and you like played around some software. We'll teach you enough mechanical engineering in your work for you to be dangerous. So like, but we're building these like multi, really multifaceted people, um, other time, you know, and, and to, to your point about computer science, um, I know what people that are really like people that are really deep in computer science. And like, we're nowhere near that. Like we might look like it to automation folks, but we're like not even close. Right. So it's more like broad, more like breadth. Um, and if you, like, I would joke about, like, we wouldn't hire computer science, uh, people because they don't know that you turn the screwdriver, right. To make it the screw tighter. They don't know, righty tidy. Yeah. And if you don't know that, like you can't work for loop, like, or, or you know, like, and again, I'm, I'm only exaggerating a little bit. And likewise, you know, you can't be afraid of computers, you know, cause it's like, everybody always thinks the mechanical people always think it's like a software bug. And it's like, yeah, but what about those five loose bolts? I can see that on my traces, right? Like the it's, you really need to know. So it's really being comfortable or like the, that kind of like very curious and like wanting to learn about everything. Like a lot of people at loop have that background and, and I would encourage people to do that because you're fighting against specialization. Often if you go get an electrical engineering degree, it's like, how did you pick up software? how did you, how did you learn how to write software? I mean, the, you know, I don't want to give this away publicly, but a mechanical engineer who learns software on the side or in their spare time is one of the best types of hires that loop will make because they have such good intuition about the physical world, but they all are not afraid to learn Python or learn C or learn enough to dabble. Like we can teach them how to be great software engineers. Like, but you know, you need to, you need to be able to go between those worlds uh, in the work that we do. Yeah.
0: No, that, that's awesome. I, I think that that is that that is a great answer. Uh, back to David's original answer, I would say, generally speaking, if you are your genuine self, you're going to attract the right sort of people. Um, I know, a, I know yes. a lot of yes, I, I know a lot of people who wear the suit and tie when they're not the suit and tie person. Right? They just want to wear their own t-shirt with their own logo on it, and yep, <laughs> right. So, so. If you're that person, you should be that person. You are going to attract that sort of people, at least in my experience, especially within this industry. It's the people that are buttoned up and try to wear you know the white shirt and the jacket because that's what they think everyone wears because that is the uh that that's the, European the uniform It's standard, a way to not right? stand yes. out yes. yeah yes
1: yes, right. yes. That, that, that is it, it, seems it seems safe it seems safe it seems safe to do. But yeah, anyway, sorry, I'm jumping on your Dave. Yeah, no, no, it's no, it, it's
0: good. Mm. But yes, it, it seems safe, but you're only going to get so far being safe. And if you wanna go be, build weird stuff, playing it safe is never gonna get you there. Um, th- that's awesome. So um, do you have a couple of pieces of content or reading materials for us, David? I know you gave us some great answers before. We're all excited to, uh, to see what you've got, especially Vlad's Audible account.
1: <laughs> I'm just I'm just here for Vlad subscribers first of all. Um, but I think what I would what I would call out um, definitely uh, loops LinkedIn is like mm-hmm. our core, like everything that so much of what we do is is happening there. Um, yep. and I'm really proud of what we do there. We started something after we did that music video where it was so fun to make robot dance that we wanted to keep doing it. So we made a TikTok of ro- of spot dancing that's called Robo Choreo. So if you're on TikTok at Robo Choreo, and Love you can it. see how much ridiculous fun we have with spot and then yeah i mean we have mirrors up on youtube as well like of, of most of the stuff that we put out i mean really it's like we do so much with video that that's what i think is, is probably coolest to check out um i think i'm sure i mentioned shape up the last time mm-hmm. that we talked because that that was so much of what we do with our iterative processes and our agile processes was, was basically it was yep. based directly on that um and the other one that I just sent to everyone at the company for the holidays was a work by a book by Austin Cleon called show your work. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book, he wrote, he wrote a few different books. He wrote a book called great Artist steal, but show your work is really about being creative in public and just mm-hmm. putting whatever you're doing, just put it out there. And to your point, Dave, like it's going to attract the right people that are aligned with you. You're going to learn things. It's going to help you, develop your skills. And and if anybody thinks that Luke does great videos, you should go look at the first videos on our YouTube page. They're horrible. And like, it's it, Austin Cleon would be proud of us having shipped garbage into the yep. point where we can do what we do today. So anyway, show your work, probably it, easy read, you know, fun, you know, fat marker book, really, yep. really good stuff.
0: I, I remember you unboxing like 54 of those and like 54 sets of like, uh, wrenches or whatever else that look like fanny packs uh right before yeah. christmas uh, yeah so, that's so we'll, right that's yeah, right so, so we'll shout out the unbox uh channel uh which yeah, if you want to see people unbox things because it's for their work um yeah yep. and unbox too uh, that yes. was a good one too so oh, we'll, no. we'll yes, have to so dig that out of the
1: archive someplace we, we, <laughs> it's we lost to time, time.
0: <laughs> hopefully right uh but no yeah. so uh, so th- th- this has been amazing. Uh, thank you so much, David. Um, I'm going to let you wrap it up into who should reach out to you. I, I know that we've, uh, we've pimped the loop is potentially looking for some, uh, some more people, but uh, <laughs> but, but, but who, who who should reach out to you? Who should uh, it's, to you?
1: It's really simple. If you were horrified by what I said, which would be a natural reaction, you'll know it's not for you. If you're, if you're like, yeah, hell yeah. Then that's, it's really that simple. It's you'll, yeah. you'll know your, your body will tell you if you're, if you're excited about what what you're hearing about if you're horrified uh, that that's whether to email or not. So, you know, yeah, right. I hope to hear from, from, from the like-minded folks out there who, who agree that there's cool new stuff to try and it's exciting yep. and fun.
0: So I, I love this. This is the show that has potentially gotten the most off the rails of, of any show that we've ever done. Uh, and so we proud. may have actually, thank you. We may have actually run over more than, uh, than we've ever run over. And it's actually my fault for once, but, uh, but, record, but thank you, record. David. You called it. Yes, you called right, it. record. I, I, I did call it. I, I warned everyone. Uh, thank you, David. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. At some point, David will be back for a third episode, and I'm, I'm, coming, just back. Gonna, he, he I'm coming back. back. He, yeah, he will be back. He will be back at
2: some point. Yes, and maybe in um, person. <laughs> hopefully, in person. You know, Ooh, hopefully, we'll okay. get a chance to.
0: Oh, Vlad, Vlad, Vlad just live, like live oh, I, I love it. So. Um, if you guys have liked this, please go ahead and give us a thumbs up. Rate us five stars if you're listening via podcast. You can do it on Apple's iTunes or Apple Podcasts because we changed the name. You can do it on Spotify. You can do it on Audible because some people listen on Audible. Um, feel, free to, uh, feel free to leave us a comment. Uh, go to manufacturinghub.live where you'll see this show on the shoulders of giants and everything else that we put out. Um, yeah. And feel free to reach out with David, Vlad, or myself. If you guys have any questions Uh, until next time, we'll see you all soon. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, David.
2: Appreciate it.